Thank you, Michael, for the mic. You're awesome. Awesome. Okay, let's, uh, is my slides up there? First of all, um, I want to share a thing I'm really grateful for. I just uh, walked in today, and um, I walked over to John Thomas, and we gave each other a hug. And then John said, you know what? I needed that. Okay, so now we're going to do a vulnerability check. Please raise your hand if you can admit right now in front of everybody that you need a hug. And if you don't need one, don't worry. Okay, all right. Now let's stand up, and if you saw someone's hand go up, give them a hug. Okay. For those of you that didn't need the hug and you got one, I apologize. <laughs> Midweek is a dangerous place. You just don't know, man. Be careful. You will get loved in here. Okay. All right. Uh, if you guys don't mind, I would like to do a little bit of... Uh, Spiritual formation exercise, okay? And spiritual formation exercises often begin with the Bible. Just so you knew that, okay? All right, we're not going some weird direction now, okay? All right, Philippians 2, verse chapter 2 starts with, Therefore, whenever you read a therefore, what do you got to do? You got to back it up, man. We got to look what happened in chapter 1. So let's do that. We'll do a little... We'll do spiritual formation and exegesis all at the same time. That is amazing. That's how good and deep we are as Bible students. Okay, here we go. Paul says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. That is interesting. Even just the word granted. Most of us don't, we don't get granted things throughout the day. Like your boss, he doesn't, he doesn't grant you your paycheck, right? I mean, granting is a very special verb used to acknowledge a very special relationship. A king can probably grant you things, right? But in this case, obviously, we're talking about God. God granted you these two things. The ability to believe in him. Have you ever, ever taken that for granted? <laughs> Come on, man. Just raise your hand. Okay. I was thinking about the other day. I was doing my tree thing the other day. And I just thought, how cool that I'm sitting here and there's no qualms. It's like, I just get it. <laughs> you, God, made that. You made me. You made many of the people that I just prayed about. Actually, all of the people that I just prayed about. That was weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, wait, was I part of the... No, anyway. But my point is, like, man, this is, this is so good. So grateful I get to believe. But then the next part... <laughs> We get to suffer for him. I was talking to someone today. We were talking about growing and how growing is so slow. Do I hear an oh yeah? Can I hear a real slow? Oh yeah. It's slow. And 
it's uncomfortable. Isn't that weird? Why, why is something so important, slow, and uncomfortable? I think it's because if you're willing to slowly be uncomfortable, I think it proves that you value what's going on. When you can slowly be uncomfortable in a relationship with a friend, right? Or slowly uncomfortable at a job, what do people see about that? Sometimes they admire that, like, wow, man, thank you. You hung in there with me. Or you hung in there when this job was weird and strange or whatever. It's a beautiful thing. But look what Paul says. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw, I had, and now hear that I still have. Interesting thing about fellowship, right? We get to find out, hey, I wonder how we are slowly, uncomfortably growing. Personally, maybe with each other. This is one thing I love about midweek. I don't ever, ever leave midweek empty. I hope no one here leaves midweek ever empty. But what a glorious opportunity just to be together, to connect, to talk. All right? So let's go on to back to chapter 2. And what I'd like to do is I just want to do a, I call this uh, imaginative prayer, which is when you take a verse from the Bible, but you imagine it. Okay? So that means you have to use what? Your imagination. Right. So you don't need to use your words right now. You only use, need to use a certain part of your brain that can just be imaginative for the next few moments, okay? So what I want us to do is uh, I want us to close our eyes, okay? And I will guide us through this. Paul writes here, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... Just focus on those few words, encouragement from being united with Christ. And let your imagination take those words and form any visuals or ideas. And then next, comfort from his love. What comes to your mind when you visualize comfort from his love? And next, common sharing in the Spirit. What comes to your mind when you think of those words? Common sharing in the Spirit tenderness and compassion. Perhaps a memory of a person comes to mind when you think of those two words. A person that God put in your life to deliver tenderness and compassion. Okay, let's take about three breaths and then open our eyes. Okay, and then let's finish what Paul says. Then Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. 
Now, we just did some ridiculously slow Bible reading just now, right? <laughs> but I want to ask, would anyone be willing to share anything that came to your mind when you heard any of those specific things? Testing? 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 Okay. Yeah, um, what came to mind for me uh, is when you talked about tenderness and compassion. Mm. You know, I just think about the challenges of life and when God sends someone alongside you, you feel that tenderness and compassion, you know. Whether it was your fault or someone else's fault, it just doesn't matter, but it's just feeling that in that moment just it really moves your heart. It moves my heart. Awesome. awesome. That's what I felt. Behind you, Kim. Common sharing in the spirit. Um, it's just fun because I just memories came to mind of situations between me and my children where we just experienced something at the same time and, and looked at each other and mm. understood, wow, God was really there. So that's such, a, such an incredible blessing, um, having that kind of relationship with a physical person, but also with our, our God. Nice. All right, so some very clear memories. All right, Kim, can you toss it? Well, you can toss it to Kevin. That's not bad. All right. Uh, when I thought about encouragement from being united with Christ, I, my visual was uh, Felipe and Lindy sharing on Sunday. Um, and it just uh, did something for my heart and soul. Amen. Awesome. We had a couple of, oh, Cece okay, and then I'm Joey. Gonna hand this to, I'm going to hand this to Cece. I can catch. What a gentleman. <laughs> um, the encouragement from being united with Christ, what I was thinking about was heart connections. I, I try to visualize, if I feel connected with a person, it's usually when our heart, hearts are connected. Mm -hmm. So then I thought to myself, oh, wait a minute. What an encouragement of being united with Christ that actually the Son of God can have a connection with me and a heart string. So I thought of heart strings. Heart strings, nice. Joey, oh. go ahead and throw it. I want to throw. Here we go. We didn't buy this thing to hand to each other. Okay. <laughs> check, check. Um, all of my visualizations were very personal. Excellent. So if any comfort from his love. And when you first said comfort, I envisioned like a real tight, smushy hug, like my face being pressed up against somebody's chest. But then when you said from his love, I, I visualized in this instance, it, not necessarily Jesus, but a person okay. drawing a sword and severing all my sinful connections to my enemy, which would be Satan. Yeah. And I, it was kind of like a, a, like the plunge forward. And as the sword came up, all my sin was severed from anything that connected me to my worldly vices. Hmm. And as the sword came up, a wall followed the sword that was as high as I could see and as long as I could see. Kind of like when we explain in the sin study how that wall separates us from God, except this wall separated me from my enemy, keeping me safe. Now, I want to thank you for sharing that. But what you just described is what I hope for all of us. Because when we hear examples like that, because Joey, I think Joey is a very good imaginative person. But 
me, sometimes my imagination is a little rustier. And I may not come up with really like amazing visuals, so please, I'm just asking for anyone that just heard Joey sharing and thought, oh darn it, I can't do that, or oh my god. No, 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 no. Just, just take warning. <laughs> it just means that this, we need to practice this. Okay, imagination takes practice. It's not a gift. It's just something that requires practice. And even listening to Joey, I just thought this is something we should do. This is a great way to spend time with each other. Just imagine sitting down with one or two other people, look at a verse, imagine it separately, then exchange notes. I mean, that's, that's deep fellowship, right? So anyway, thank you. Thank you. All right, uh, so I know Kevin usually ignores people over here and picks everyone over here. So I now have done the opposite. So wow. I just want to make sure. Am I missing anybody over Ouch. here that raised? Oh, all right, Karen Thomas. All right, Joe, you want to do it? Karen, are you good? Make sure she's ready. Whoa, man. That's the mom of basketball players right there, baby. All right. Um, I was thinking, well, I thought of things in all of them, but the comfort from his love was another one I was thinking of. I wasn't as creative, but I just thought back on times where I felt God's comfort. Okay. And there were times where when I was in emotional pain and I would either, I couldn't pray, I couldn't read, all I could do was hear, listen to music. And by the time I was done with that CD, the sting of that pain was gone. And it's almost like he put this little cushion around me or he would just, he would take it away. Um, I think of times when he, um, Either the words will comfort me or just knowing that I have hope comforts me um, and he heals me. He completely removes the pain and heals it and heals the wound. So that's what I was thinking of when I thought wow. of comfort from his love. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Please. I was thinking um, there's so many things that I'm going through right now that I've never gone through. So as I was like trying to get into the zone there, I was kind of going as a child holding God's hand into a forest like I can't see where I'm going I've never been on this path but just how comforting that was because I saw myself as a child a oh small my. child yeah. with my dad just holding his hand and just you know somehow and then as a spirit I don't know it was kind of like a um, just another being in the picture I don't know it's cartoony maybe but yeah. anyways um, that you know, it was the three of us kind of just like, you know, somehow we're going to, you know, you're going to get through this and you have the spirit with you to walk with you. So I'm just holding your hand through the unknown. That is beautiful. You just blessed us all. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you, guys. Um, I think uh, one sign that you might be doing this right is if, if you feel that might be an evidence that you're actually doing it correctly. So please, please try this at home. Okay. Anybody willing to do that? Yeah? All right. Okay, so we have a very, very amazing opportunity coming up among our fellowship. Uh, however, I need Greg Hines to come and share with us some things we need to know about that. And if, if Greg's not here, then we're going to take Kimba. Wow. Uh... Okay, so everybody, imagine Greg Hines. Just, just imagine. Just picture him smiling. Picture him feeling really embarrassed because he's not here. 
He's here. Okay, you know what? Hold on. Okay, sorry, then I'm going to do my thing. Uh, I wanted to announce that uh, we're going to be having the Inside Out Conference. It's a counseling conference coming up on August 9th and 10th. Myrna is going to be a participant there or a, a contributor there, I hope. Uh, so Inside Out, this is uh, basically, for, it's uh, originally it's just basically for counselors to come together to talk about the mental health, uh, the Christian aspect on mental health and tools that come from the world of psychology. Uh, here's a snapshot, I think, of the... Uh, the schedule that's going to be there on Friday and Saturday. I'm going to be speaking. Um, have you guys heard of a guy named Mike Newman? He's flying in from Seattle to speak to this. But really what they're trying to cover, is especially topics that relate to obviously individual stuff that we deal with, but also things that are connected to family. So please, if you're interested in doing that, please sign up for that. And uh, did we find? He's right there. Guys, our faith has been revealed. So here's Greg Hines. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing tonight? Um, so I am Greg Hines, and this is... Monique Kaudegi. All right, and we are... Oh, sorry. Uh, we are here to talk to you guys about our second annual Party with a Purpose. Yeah. All right, so uh, our Party with a Purpose will be taking place on Friday, August 2nd, from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. It's going to take place right here in the Vision Center. Not this room, but the Victory Auditorium right in the back. Um, and uh, those who's not familiar with the Party with a Purpose, it is exactly what it says. It's a party with a purpose. <laughs> uh, purpose being uh, are to raise money to uh, put these toiletry kits, toiletry kits with shampoo, conditioner, and everything that you see on here, uh, basic toiletries. And we're going to be putting these toiletry kits inside of the backpacks the following week to give to the children of uh, FRC. Um, now, we are actually adding one new thing to our kits. Um, Moni's going to share about that. Hi. So we're going to be adding feminine products to our kits because we've realized that in the span of nine months, uh, a female student may lose two months of school cumulatively. So that is why we're adding the tampons and pads to our kits. And so far, we've raised $120 for our cause. And yeah, sorry. $120, y'all, and still counting. All right. Um, so also, if uh, you guys want to invite friends that um, are not able to make it to the event, there's a way that you can uh, actually uh, still donate uh, besides just coming to the party. You can donate on the event page. Uh, there's a link at the bottom of the de description uh, where you can donate there. Um, please invite your friends. Please come as well. All the singles, we're going to be here uh, uh, putting on this event. This is the core leadership single team that we'll be putting on this event in the back. Um, also, what's up? Oh, how much is it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, yeah. So uh, this is going to be $10 for the event. You can, uh, that's going to be your entry for the event. Or you can actually hand put together one of your toiletry kits and bring that as your entry. Um, along with that, Volunteers, TP singles, come out and volunteer. I'm going to put a link on the group meet tonight for you guys to sign up for whatever you guys want to do. This is our event, so let's uh, make it happen. And I just want to piggyback off of Kim Upton from last week, married. Y'all can come through. Y'all can help out and, uh, <laughs> and sign up as well. Um, 
You can sign up with me at the Orange Tent or even tonight if you guys like. And uh, that's all we have. So thank you. Okay, guys, what a great thing going on in our ministry. And now I want to give you Kevin Holland. Thank you, sir. With the clicker, okay. It's good to see everybody. Um, how many of you uh, were moved to tears on Sunday uh, hearing uh, Felipe and Lindy share? Anybody, anybody want to say what, what was the most moving thing? We're not going to pass the mic around, but just what was most moving about it to you? What, what evoked the tears from, for you? Jamal? Uh, Yeah, props, yes, yes. Uh, Kim? Sean. A couple things. I mean, it hit me hard when I heard him start to share. It reminded me of when I came. Yeah. When I first started studying. And then I started thinking about all the couples in the church who were in that same position before Christ called them. But I leaned over to my wife, Casino, and said, this dude is all in. Yeah. Like, you could just feel from him, like, yeah. he knows Jesus is with him. He knows God yeah. is with him. He knows this church is with him. And that feeling, it made me Remember that yeah. when I first yeah. it literally made me butterfly. Yeah. And I started going, wow, this yeah. I love this church. Yeah. <laughs> love right. That's exactly how I felt. Wait a second. Anybody else? Um, I I just thought about uh, for me, because I was in tears, and I thought about um, Linda Axelson. Uh, last midweek, she and uh, she shared some different things. So I remember. Uh, when she became a disciple, like in the mid nineties and just all the, you know, degrees of connection that we have among each other. And so Linda becomes a Christian in the mid nineties. And then, uh, she's so entertaining. You, you, those that know Linda know that she is, uh, in entertainment personified. She's such a fascinating person. And, uh, you know, you heard her share some of her stories. She kept all of us on our toes. Uh, but then, you know, seeing how, uh, God put she and Joey together and how, how well he's taking care of her. And then she ends up being Maggie's teacher at Milliken and then reaches out to Maggie, who gets a chance to uh, connect with the church and then uh, study and, you know, really uh, connected with Kim and so many others. And then through Maggie, her brother Felipe start, you know, I, I got a kick out of what, when Lindy was saying he was trying, because I remember that as a dad, trying to get the girl's hair together, like when mom's not there, and like that's a, <laughs> that is, yeah, it's not, hey, it's, that's a tough thing, so I, I had a, a visual of that, 
but just how, how moving it was. And then, you know, that quote, which she said a couple of weeks ago, that he was uh, strong for me, but gentle with me. So you, you see literal, actual transformation, actual in front of your face. And it began many years ago with a random invitation. And so I, I just wanted to say, I think I want to email it out. We, I asked Leo, and he just made uh, a video of them sharing. And I want to send it out. I just feel like it will do your heart and soul good. And it will remind you, if you want one video excerpt of what all, that th all this is, is about, if you want to you know, encapsulate it in one shot, that's it. And so, uh, yeah, I just want to say uh, God has built a really, really great family and their challenges. And we're trying to figure stuff out and we're confused. But when you see stuff like that, when you see all these kids coming back uh, from youth camp and these devoted uh, youth leaders and, and counselors losing sleep and time and all that, and you see all that we're doing for El Salvador and so forth, it just reminds you that God is in this place. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, we're going through stuff. But he's changing lives uh, here, and he will continue to do that. So uh, I want, as Felipe and Lindy, can you just stand up one more time? Do it for me. I know you're like, please leave us alone. But um, I, uh, I'm just saying you have inspired my heart, and God has used you to uh, fill my soul. So thank you. And, uh, yeah, all in. I wish I could have seen you on the skateboard. Uh, <laughs> another level. Um, so um, tonight uh, what I want to do is dive into a few questions. You know, we did our... Uh, our questionnaire a few weeks ago. By the way, the past couple of weeks, I, I, I told somebody with the sharing, the vulnerability, the humility uh, around the whole dating concept, I, it was deeper than I ever remember sharing being with a couple of exceptions. We have, I, I remember uh, uh, the Solano family and the Noel family, but it was right at that level. And I just thought how cool it is for us to be able to talk about uh, the concept of having a healthy dating culture and having all of the marrieds weigh in and share. And it's not just a singles thing, it's a t turning point thing. And having uh, so many of the marrieds saying, I'm gonna invest my time and join Linda and others, uh, it was a glorious, glorious time. So I feel like God is building us up through these things. So we're gonna tackle a few more questions tonight. We have three really easy ones and three hard ones, okay? So we're gonna go through them fast. I do wanna remind everybody, and I, I appreciate uh, Jay, so much for just recasting the vision and reminding us of the remarkable work that God has been doing over the past decade in our sister church in El Salvador and all the uh, salvies that stood up and all of the people that have gone. I guess we should probably do that again. If you're, if you want, oh yeah, just for you, yes. So if you hail from from uh, El Salvador, okay, there we go. The, the, the one, the few, the proud, right? And all those, okay. So, um, and then in seeing all the people that have gone on a mission trip, and of course the, the uh, next mission trip for this year is planned for November, uh, but I want to just say that this Sunday is a time for us to put God's money where our mouths are, right? And I loved uh, 
Oh, Felix, so many good things on Sunday, but Felix is sharing about what moves his heart to give. You know, he says, I made a good investment when I see this, this, and this. And so this is the best investment of God's money that you can make. I just don't want us to forget the big day. It's this Sunday. So let's uh, make sure that we're prepared and uh, that we honor God in what we do. Oh, and I had a picture up here. Uh, oh, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> it's one of these fancy clickers. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's a picture of, of some of our, our brothers and sisters in El Salvador. So, <laughs> woo! Be nice to be a professional, wouldn't it? Okay. Thirty-six years in, trying to figure it out. Okay. Uh, so. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I want to look at a few passages here, and I want to ask, you know, I want to get, this is more going to be more of a conversation. Uh, by the way, someone asked me, so, so we're in the process, we're trying to rethink how we do stuff, and, and I think that's a healthy thing. And so we're thinking, is it better to have midweeks all together? Is it better to have midweeks like uh, Santa Clarita does and like Culver City does, when you got one in Burbank and one in Sherman Oaks and one in Van Nuys and whatever? Is, 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 it, is that better? Uh, how long should they go? How much worship should there be? How much teaching should there be? And someone, you know, a, different, a person was asking me, what should it be as though there's one right way to do it? And the truth is, you can do it 17 different ways, depending on the need and so forth. So we're in the process of trying to figure a lot of these things out. And so this is not really going to be a message. There is one passage, it's 1 Corinthians 4. For those of you Bible scholars who want to turn, 1 Corinthians 4, we're going to look at that passage. But this is going to be a night where I just want to ask you several questions. And I want participation but not like a filibuster, like just quick hits, okay? Uh, so we can, so because, so because we're not going to solve anything, but what I want to do is invite you into the headspace if you were trying to help lead a church, okay? And all of us, you know, every member is a minister, and so we have some leadership capacity. All of us do. But if you had to make these decisions, I want you to step into that space so that we rid ourselves of the church or the, or the leadership said, do this or go here. It's not a they, it's a we, right? It's not they decided. If I'm a member, a card-carrying member of Jesus' body, and if I am a card-carrying member of Turning Point, it's we decided. And so uh, I want to look at a few things that Jesus did, and I want to start off with this one question that Jesus asked. Uh, he was, his disciples were being asked, Matthew, one of his, the seven authors of the New Testament, one of Jesus' uh, guys, 12 guys, tax collector, um, he recorded that uh, Jesus' followers were being questioned about them not paying the temple tax, okay? And so that's the, some of the context. Uh, it's actually... No, I'll do this. Okay, I'll keep going. Uh, he says, what do you think, Simon? He asked, from, what, from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or for others? You can read it. He goes on. But I wanted to ask you, why do you think Jesus asked Simon this question rather than just telling him the answer, uh, solving the problem? Why do you think Jesus asked Simon the question? Uh, process of understanding what's going on versus just getting it's like you can 
teach a person to fish or you can give them a fish kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And he wanted him to be mentally, emotionally, spiritually connected to what's going on. Yeah. And, and, and so that's what I see. Yeah. Thank you. So did everybody hear that? Okay. So uh, let's get a couple others and then we'll move on to the, I have five of these. We'll, we'll go real quick. Mike? I think any uh, good teacher engages their audience by asking questions. One thing, kind of space out after a while listening passively, but if you can get people to be thinking what they would respond, all of a sudden it's a whole other level. Yeah, okay, so that's great. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna get you in a minute. Let's move on to the next question. All right, and so um, I think I read where Jesus asked, the, it's recorded in the Gospels, he asked 83 questions, uh, and that he typically would respond to a question asked him with another question. So, uh, and this is the famous, you know, uh, one of my favorite, you know, the prodigal son and so forth. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? Once again, rather than launching into the teaching, he's saying, what do you think? I think Jesus asked people what they thought because he cared about what they thought. Have you ever met someone that is not interested in what you think, but only in what they have to say? Oh. So Jesus wasn't that guy. Uh, another one. Um, this is the, uh, the parable of sons working in the vineyard, and the older son is, uh, rather the, the first son uh, says he's going to go work in the, in the vineyard, and then doesn't, and the second son uh, says he's not going to, but then does, representing uh, the Jew, the, uh, the uh, Israel versus those that, Je that were responding to Jesus' message. But he says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first one and said, son, go work, uh, go and work in the vineyard today. He doesn't go and so forth and so on. But once again, what do you think? And then in Matthew 22, uh, what he, he's asking uh, people who are questioning, and of course, Dave, Jesus referred to as the son of David. And he says, who do you think, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son replied, uh, uh, the son of David, they replied. And so any Jewish scholar would know that Jesus, Messiah is referred to as the son of David, but then he's greater than David. Jesus goes on and, and you know, uh, gives some teaching. But once again, he asks, what do you think? Wanting them to invest energy and time in answering their own question. And the truth is, if we are not mentally lazy, we often can answer our own questions if we are prompted and pushed in that direction. Mm. And I think Jesus was trying to, to help us, to help, make, help me to think and to help me uh, to put some skin in the game myself. And it's also, it's easy to blow off when somebody, if you just want someone to give you an answer, it's easy to blow that off as they can come. But when you say, this is what I think, oh, so now you have some ownership right? Which is uh, another part. Uh, this is uh, one of my fa favorite ones. This is a uh, prelude to the Good Samaritan teaching. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus asked him, what is written in the law? And then he said, he, he replied, and then he asked, how do you read it? How do you expert in the law. How do you read the law? And the implication is there are multiple ways to read the law. Did you know that, let's take uh, uh, the Juarez row. You could have all of them read a particular passage from the law, 
right? One of the first five books of the uh, Hebrew scriptures. And they could all have a different take on it. Have you ever met people who read the same thing but have a different take on it? Yeah. Right? And so uh, we know 2 Peter 1, uh, that the scriptures are not a private interpretation. In other words, the, the, the people who wrote it weren't, weren't interpreting what God was saying. The Spirit was giving them what to say, and they were saying it. But in terms of us reading it, we all know that there are many different ways to interpret any scripture. Uh, that's why you have all the different shades, Baskin's 31 flavors of churches, right? With 31 flavors of doctrine. That's, that's why. Uh, but I just wanted to say, I want us personally, I, I feel moved. And I, as we figure out our church and how we're going to function, I don't want it to be a they. I want it to be a we put some mental energy into. So what kind of church do we want? Do we want to all meet together like we're meeting? Do we want to have certain people lead us? Do we want to continue giving to certain causes? Do we want to do something else? Do we want to keep teaching the, uh, the way we are teaching? Do we want to continue uh, teaching the way we are to help people become Christians? Can we make it better? Can we make it align more with the new covenant? I want us to do all that rather than expect somebody else to give us, this is what you do, and then we mindlessly follow or don't, but don't have any personal investment in it. Okay, so uh, that's just sort, sort of an introduction. So now I want to give you some of these questions. Everybody ready? This is going to be the speed round at the beginning. Okay, the prizes are, aren't worth as much, but, but you have a higher chance of winning. Okay, let me find this question. This, these are great. Okay, and these are three quick questions from the, uh, from the uh, questionnaire that we did. Here's the first question. Will we ever go back to using our Bibles during Sunday service? The kid, uh, in Kids Point, the kids are encouraged to bring a paper Bible. What about the adults? Okay, so how would you answer that? What do you think? Mike, and, and these need, please indulge me as an old guy. Rapid fire, just what would you say? Uh, I bring mine every Sunday anyway. I don't know what. Okay, you bring your own paper Bible <laughs> every Sunday. Is that right? Okay, Mia, is he telling the truth? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so Mike, Mike brings his own per paper Bible. Okay, Tor? I think it's whatever helps the person most. So for me, I have it on my phone so that I can copy paste scriptures into my notes because I have my phone everywhere. I don't carry my journal everywhere. Love that girl. Love that girl. Good well girl. said. Okay, uh, let's have one more. Jamal in the back. Jamal, you, Jamal, Jamal. He doesn't need, okay, let's do it, Dave. Oklahoma, look at that, man. Good job. <laughs> I think there's a familiar, familiarity with, with the actual pages and flipping them and knowing where stuff is. Yeah. And just being a teacher and just having actual Dead Sea Scrolls is nothing like it. Yeah. Just, just, just that, that authenticity. I know I, I okay. you know, on the, on the All phone. Right. So you're more stuff. of a tactile person and you like the idea of the pages and then you know where certain things are in your Bible. Okay, so now, now that's just, we're just going to hit that. We, we're going to move on because we have some we're doing a rapid fire. But here, here's what I want to say from that, okay? Number one, nobody is preventing anyone from bringing any kind of Bible they want to bring to church. Right? There are no prohibitions on any Bible. Trey, you could borrow one from Trey. She got about 20. She got the chronological Bibles color-coded. From my vantage point, I 
do not see personally Kevin a superiority in a paper Bible versus a digital Bible. Kevin, in fact, me using a digital Bible helps me in my memory as an old guy because I can't cheat with, I know kind of it's three quarters in and it's on the right on the lower corner. I do have several papal Bibles. It's just the print is so small I can't see it anymore, okay? But nobody's preventing you. I would really urge you not to feel as though one is superior and others inferior. Different ones are better in different applications. And remember, none of our first century brothers and sisters had a Bible, and it didn't even exist for the first 300 years of Christianity, right? Okay, so that's, that's one of them. All right, let's hear it for we nail one, right? One down, uh, five to go. Uh, second question, will there ever be an evening service uh, in Turning Point? I, in case I work on Sunday and, or I have a guest and I can't bring him at 11 a.m., okay? Uh, I can answer that one quickly. Um, we right now are doing all we can. We're doing our dead level best to pull off one quality and I would say quality uh, uh, worship gathering. It takes a lot of us. It takes uh, 75 to 100 volunteers. And so I would say, as of now, that's not on the radar. However, when we move into our facility, whenever that is, that will give us the ability to have multiple services, right? And it, because we're a portable set, set up and tear down church, it makes it more complicated. So. Good question. Want to be a full service group? I look forward to the day when we own some property and we can be in it 24-7 and do what God wants us to do from it. I do know there, there are churches that have Thursday night services, some Saturday night. Also, uh, it's online, so you can stream the first service in the evening okay. and watch it Okay, so, and, and Kim, uh, thank you. Uh, just, just such a great I insight. We do have an, uh, the, the messages. That's why we record them it's online. So a guest could watch it later or the person could watch it later. So we're trying to make it work. Okay. And please do be praying for, for a facility. That would be a wonderful thing. All right. Last question. Uh, last of the easy ones. <laughs> can we use the Naomi women to serve more? Can we, can we have a, give them more to do and give them a, a, a higher profile? Right. So first of all, let's hear it for the Naomi women, wherever they are. Okay. We love you. We salute you. And uh, they already uh, serve with, you know, and I always thank you guys for hooking me up, letting have some uh, sweet uh, confections to take home, which I appreciate. Uh, and also, they make sure that the, the uh, place looks good, the lobby, the bathrooms, and so forth. And so, uh, I in addition to serving community service to many other things. So as much as you guys want to do, you have more energy than most of us anyway. So uh, as much as you want to do, please hear that uh, there's no prohibition. You're not going to find anybody say, hey, can I do more? No, you can't do any more in the church. That's never going to happen. And so that's not happening with them. But, but just w whatever we can do to, to be better, in, in um, building a platform so that you guys can continue to serve in greater ways, we're, I'm, we're wide open, right? Okay? So, and uh, just keep Dr. Bean, uh, Dr. Bean in line. She's a handful, so I know, I know that keeps you busy. So, just joking. We have a thing. Okay, so, so those were the easy ones, right? So, 
We just have three quick ones and then one scripture and we'll be out. Okay, we're going to be able to nail these just like no piece of cake. Everybody ready? Okay. Actually, they're all easy. All these are really simple and easy. We'll nail them. Two minutes apiece. Okay. Should we as a turning point church, should we have dating guidelines slash norms slash rules? Should we or should we not? Um, Darlene says, Darlene says yes. Thank you, Darlene. And this is, these are rapid fire. Okay, yeah. I think how you, how you present it makes a big difference. Okay. So is that a yes norms given rules. the proper presentation? Yeah. yeah, given the proper presentation, there can be guidelines. I think, okay. I think rules is more of a harsher term. Okay. But guidelines, I think, absolutely, because we have a sinful nature. Okay. So. Okay. Yes, Kim? Yeah, maybe going along with Lionel, um, I feel like there are principles that God gives us in the word to keep our dating relationships pure. Amen. <laughs> okay, so perhaps principle like uh, maybe a, a something on our, something that we all come together, because I would want input from everybody. These are the principles by which we want to, we want to call all of members of Turning Point to to uh, be aware of and to comport themselves in relation to these principles, yeah. right? Rather than, rather than more narrowly having rules. Yeah. Is that right? Is that yeah. good? Okay, uh, yes, uh, uh, what was that back then? Alex, yeah. Oh boy. All right, Kim, let's see your arm. I know you can do it. Michigan, do it for Michigan. Good job, look at that, Sheldon. Flea flicker. <laughs> So yes, definitely guidelines, but guidelines can sometimes not be enough for some people and some people can squeak by guidelines and it's not, a, and like it's not focusing on the heart. Okay. So definitely guidelines, yes, but have a mentor and just do whatever they say. Okay, have a mentor and do whatever they say. Okay, so wait a minute though, hold, hold on to the ball. Okay, so is it possible though, let, let's say you have a mentor and you're 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 like, hey, these these guide, these guidelines are, are healthy, but then, what if one person experiences those as being helpful, right, and the other exp person experiences the uh, things the mentor is calling them to as being controlling or invasive? Well, I think that, for one thing, you a person who is in a situation, especially when there's um, a possible romantic and relationship you can't really trust your own judgment because it's so full of emotion so going to someone that knows you and that you trust has your best interest and basically as your mentor doing whatever they say okay. if your mentor is being too harsh i would again be like okay i am in the thick of the emotions right now right. Let, let me ask someone else that i trust and if okay. they both say it then i really need to do it okay great all right, let's hear it for everybody so far. Thank you, this is good. All right, now we're, we, um, let's have a few more and then we need to, we need to segue. Uh, let's see, who's that, Billy? Yes, gotta call him Billy. All right, let's see what you got. Oh, look at you. Man, we got an athletic group in here, yes. <laughs> okay, I agree with 100% guidelines, um, but I think that discussing what those guidelines would be, um, norms, what may be normal for one person may not necessarily be normal for someone else. Right. Rules, I think rules are out because people who usually don't want to follow the rules are not going to follow them. True. And the people who will, will. True. 
So I think just helping people, like last week's service, the hearts of the married, I think we need to have more of those. Yeah. Helping people to understand the prices that they're gonna pay when yeah. they go in opposite direction, away from certain guidelines. Yeah, well said. Well said. Okay, so I'm going to ask one more on this. This is just starting because we're going to end at a decent hour, and we're going to go into part two next week, okay? Oh, okay. Uh, all right, last one, obviously. Got to be quick. Welcome back from Florida, New York, wherever you're, wherever you're back to go. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, yeah, I think um, having – I, I was a leadership trainer in New York, and we would do a lot of things, K through 12, interactive, periodic, interactive workshops that creates a culture of – following the principles mm -hmm. rather than hard and fast rules because then it creates a culture of like that's the norm of us kind of like learning from each other learning the why okay so exactly yeah. excellent okay so then quick question who then comes up with these and these principles these guidelines yes Everybody hear that? Right. Excellent. Okay, so, so then, but, but would we all come up with them together? Or, or who said, somebody said yes. Okay, Larry says, like, we all, like, be able to feed in. Okay, what kind of principles or guidelines would you like to see related to this? Is that Marissa? You're, you're lit up there. Okay, so I got to get you, and then we're going to go to the next one. Oh, man. Oh, I think we Philadelphia's finest. What's up? Right. <laughs> I think as humans, we always want to come up with something, have some sort of control. But should we have dating guidelines, norms, rules? We already do. The Bible's already that thing. And so for us to try to come up with it and try to like make sense out of it is already making sense of just what does God have to say about relationships? What does he have to do? I, for us trying to figure it out, it's the Holy Spirit that has to figure it out because I've been here for 12 years. We have dating rules, norms, and guidelines, and I haven't followed them because I'm not following the spirit. But if I have like a family like you guys who have been there for me, who um, tell me to trust the spirit, tell me to do what God wants me to do, go to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians, go to Ephesians, mm -hmm. to know what it's like to have a biblical marriage. Like, that is what's always gonna set it apart. So we already have that when we accepted Jesus as Lord. Okay. So I, I agree with you and I appreciate that, but here's, here's, here's the challenge with that, right? So we do have the Bible, we do have the Holy Spirit, uh, and we do have, so for instance, we have uh, 50 some one another commandments. So, to, so how to practically, as, as an example, we know where to encourage one another, bear one another's burdens, confess our sins to one another, et cetera, et cetera. The practical, guideline or practice that we have in our church to fulfill that primarily small groups. I've had some people that don't want to be in small groups. Mm -hmm. And I've said, if you can figure out a better way to practice the one another's without small groups, more power to you. I don't know what it is because you got to be with other people to do it. But, but in the same way, we do have the spirit and we do have the Bible and principles. But what does that look like when I approach 
this person or that person. What does that look like when I, um, you know, engage a conversation or build a relationship or go out and spend time? I think we've got to give, I, I, to be responsible shepherds, we need to give people tools and practical application of what the Spirit and what the Scriptures teach. And while one person can say, I'm just going to follow the Spirit, trust the Spirit in me, and I hear you. I want, I want people to trust the Spirit in me, but I also know what Alex said. There's other stuff working in me, too, that I need augmentation and help in addition to the Spirit. So I'm just saying I agree with you, but I think it's a both and. Uh, and, and if everybody said, hey, no, no guidelines, just everybody got the spirit ready, set, go, do your thing. Okay. But, but I, I think that could cause some problems. So please respond uh, to, to what did you hear sure. me say or, no, or how I, do you feel about it? You're completely right. And I think that's really good. Just like in our walk with God, when we get um, baptized, we study the Bible and then we have amazing people in our lives, wonderful women who are married, single who've been here for a while, that can guide us to having our relationship with God. We, whether we know it or not, we do have guidelines to be disciples, which mm -hmm. is the, the Bible. Yep. Same way for relationships. So we do have these underlying guidelines, right. and what's helped me in my life are the women like Cece, the women like Erica Rodriguez, like people that are there for me, and mm -hmm. they um, walk me through the stuff, taking Titus, yeah, and guiding me. It's okay. just that scripture in Titus, I see it. And I'm learning from these women who are where I want to be at. And right. then there's also mature single women that teach me and they can relate to me. So right. it is a lot about just being vulnerable and having those connections, just like you said. Yeah. Just the same exact way we do it to study the Bible for salvation, same exact way we do it for relationships, same exact way we do it for professional. It's not compartmentalized. Yeah, it is good. all one because the Lord is sovereign over everything in my life. Yeah. And well said. I love Thank that. You. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Well said. Okay, so we're going to put a pin in that one. I know it's hard. We get going. Uh, but a Titus 2, the mature women, the older women teach the younger women, and, and it should be, I like that, it's not compartmentalized. It's holistic. Okay, so nail that one. Uh, here's the next easy one. Okay, do we have a church culture that is controlling, legalistic, fear-based, and religious, or one that is gracious, trusting, and Holy Spirit-filled and led? <laughs> oh, is that Jovi? What's up, Jovi? Huh? Get the, take the mic. I would say we did have that first culture, and a lot of us probably carry a lot of that with us still, and mm -hmm. how we, we're trying to navigate because we went, I think, the opposite, where we're very gracious and feel like people are getting away with not being uh, obedient to the scriptures because so much grace was being taught, but not enough obedience to the scripture. And I think mm -hmm. we are now, I think God's, we talked about this, Kevin, I think the pruning feel like God now is calling us to find the balance between grace and truth. Mm -hmm. You know, not to mm -hmm. be one or the other, but to be right where Jesus wants us to be. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. Uh, so can I ask a question? Yeah. What is it? What is control? Does the word controlling, like if, if I say someone is controlling, do we all know what I mean when I say that? 
Do it, you know what I mean? It varies. Do I know what you mean? Okay, so that's a recipe for confusion when you have when you when there are terms used that have multiple meanings to multiple people. I think we're going to make progress down the road once we land on definitions of words we use. Uh, secondly, who gets to define what the, is your is my take on our church the word the last word on it? Is that who we are? Who gets to define what the culture of shepherd or grace or Lifeway or Lighthouse or Mosaic is? And if you have 15 people that think it's X, is it X? If you have 208 people that think it's Y, is it Y? Can it be both? Can you have a church that is controlling legalistic, fear-based, and religious, and then have some people that are Holy Spirit-led and grace-filled? Can you have a church that is generally gracious and Holy Spirit-led and filled, but then have people who are more controlling or legalistic or fear-based? So I think the answer would be and. What I would ask us to do as we, because we're going to continue to plow through some of this stuff in, in the next few weeks and stuff, is I would hesitate to say, my, I think we I ought to question my ability to make a judgment as to what the culture of an entire group is based on my lens. Now, my lens is valuable and should be validated. But did you realize, I realize this, not everybody sees the world like I see it. I look on Facebook, I see stuff that's going on sociopolitically, and I just don't get it. But I have accepted that fact that there are multiple, maybe there are multiverse, you know, there just, there's so many, there's multiple realities. So I just put that out there to say I'm not pushing back against one or the other. I'm saying it's dangerous when, when one person unilaterally declares a condition for hundreds of people. And I would ask us to have a modicum of humility. Here's my view, but I realize it's one of 600 others, and there may be other ones. Okay? To be continued, put a pin in it. And here's the last one. Uh, are we ever going to appoint more elders, pastors, evangelists, deacons, and advisory committee members? What is the answer to that question? Yes. yes. Okay, and I think I want to give the uh, mic to Mike and Kim to share about that. And I, we, did, we didn't rehearse this, but I would love to hear uh, what you think. And then, then, then we'll be done. Well, we've had uh, quite a few discussions about this. The LA Church does have a, uh, right now, a uh, guideline, I guess, yeah. that, uh, <laughs> use that, use that word, uh, that to be an elder in a particular region, you need to attend some of the elder uh, shepherding and training is what it's called, which is the first Saturday of every month for an hour and a half. Um, and so, you know, we have David, actually David and Cece have been attending that well over a year. Um, so there's certainly strong candidates, um, but we are wanting to kind of do a whole evaluation of, okay, 
we do definitely have people who are deacons. We have elder candidates uh, that we've talked about. And we, you know, we want to kind of sort out how to put, present those before the turning point uh, to submit them to you for your confirmation in a sense. But, you know, we really feel great about there's a number of people, deaconesses, you know, we get into that controversy biblically, but um, there are many, many candidates that we have, and I think we're in good stead for the long haul. Uh, but even also for the short haul. And I think, so I think in the next six months, there's going to be definitely some decisions made, some, some things that you're going to see put in front of you and feedback uh, solicited from you. And uh, we also, you know, this is David Bruce's uh, really brainchild and, uh, you know, it's really uh, across the board in the staff that um, we want to establish an advisory committee of lay people with staff as well to kind of just meet maybe bi-monthly something like that to just kind of talk about general issues general direction we want uh, just to broaden that leadership circle kevin is very uh, desirous of that and uh, really um, you know, enthusiastic about it, if I can speak for you, Kevin. So yeah. anyway, a lot of great Feel things. Feel free. <laughs> a lot of great, uh, I think, movement. I definitely um, am delighted with the prospect of um, more leadership spread over more people. Um, yeah. I think many times these are just recognizing people for what they're doing already, not yeah. that there's going to be any new role because they're already serving in, yeah. in a great great way. Anything you want to add, Kim? Nope. You said it perfectly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as always. Oh, yeah. As always. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so um, I, I want to say that uh, I had a talk with uh, one of the, the, you know, the eight sister churches that make up the L.A. church uh, in, um, in a particular region, and they are uh, revisiting their whole leadership model in the church. Traditionally, there has been in the LA church what is known as a regional leader uh, because the terms region are used. I don't personally use that term because it does not communicate to the average person what you are. Uh, like I say Turning Point and OC and Lighthouse and so forth and so on. And that's my lens is that we are, we are united as one but we live 99.9% .9 of our lives as churches doing our thing in our locale. Um, but it was interesting, they, they are looking at perhaps going away from that and having a team leadership where a group of people are leading and not an individual uh, person in that role. They're considering perhaps having two, uh, like uh, you'd have a senior evangelist in charge of vision and sort of vision and mission, and then another one in charge of church culture and, and staff culture and so forth. They're looking at all kinds of different things uh, that, that are not traditional. Something that Trey and I realized, there's a particular couple that we heard are they're retiring uh, at the end of this month, and they and we have been in our locales for the longest time uh, among people in the LA church. So if they do that, as I've understood, it may not be true. I've heard it secondhand, but if it is true, then we would have been here in one place longer than anyone else in our 
L.A. church family 26 years, which, which is a miracle. So it's a miracle. Um, it's, I, I would say I didn't, no one told me it was, <laughs> I didn't know. You know, you don't know what to expect, but I, I would say that I, it is many of my peers or, or people that came in in our generation are long gone, different, either different locales, some have passed away. Uh, some are not in the full-time ministry anymore. Uh, some had very glorious exits. Some had uh, more difficult exits. So the fact that we have been intact in one group this long itself is a miracle of God. Given who we are and were before we met Jesus, it's a miracle. But my desire is for us to figure out in 2019 who we want to be as a church now and not just do church the way we've already always done it based on the methods and even the philosophies that we inherited because this is 2019. We are far removed from when the church was planted in 89. We're to celebrate the 30th anniversary on September 7th, I think, at, in Anaheim. But that's what I want us to do is I want us to figure out what do, how do we want the leadership to function? Do we want a person or do we want a group of people? Who decides who those people are? Do we, so one person said, can we just vote like, like we do with the government? And I say, okay, so democracy is better than autocracy. I, I, my personal opinion, that's my lens. Other people feel differently. I get that. We're fighting it out in the U.S. right now. I get that. But I, I and governmentally, democracy, I believe, is better. It's more cumbersome, it's less efficient, but to me, it's better than monarchy. In the church, we're going to, this summer, we're studying, we're going to be starting this Sunday, you're not the boss of me, but it's hot, it's, it's, how do we have a good, healthy relationship with authority, right? And I think how you view authority is an underpinning for how you deal with that. So we're going to look at governmental authority, family authority, church authority, and international authority. So, but in that, I want us to figure out, like, what, what do we think, based on what the New Covenant teaches, how do we want to function? And so, hopefully, and I don't know if this will happen, you know, just because I want something doesn't mean it's going to happen, but I would love for us in September to be able to land on some covenant, and I've, I've talked about this, right? Something we covenant to each other as the turning point in the 21st century in 2019. We covenant to each other to be this for God, for each other, and for the world for the next X number of years, given that God can always change the script. Has God ever changed your script? Yes, he has. And he could change that. But that's what I want. What I'm saying to you is, I feel led by the Spirit. If, if you want us to do this, we will keep doing it. But I don't want to just do something because we've always done it a certain way and have it unexamined and become, it's obsolete and ineffective, but because there's emotional attachment to it, I keep it like the old couch that doesn't go with the furniture and looks disgusting, but you keep it because it has fond memories, right? And you just move it from house to house. No one wants to sit on it. You know, kids were birthed on it and all this stuff. And you're just like, I don't want to. I know that's TMI. Sorry. Let me pull that back. Sorry. But, uh, but, but that's how, that's an Andy Stanley thing. 
proper credit. That's how we can be in the church. We, we keep methods, practices, even uh, organizing principles that we have emotional or even uh, people that lead us. Like there's an emotional attachment there and, and a sense of sentimentality and, and like this, these, this means a lot to me, so I want to keep it. But it may not be effective. And I'm open to, you know what, there's a more effective way to do this. I want what's most effective. Honest to God. And we're all right now in the least of trying to figure out what the heck is it, because that's what we want to do. Rather than just continuing on un, unformed or unobserved and, uh, you know, expecting people to not. I think I want people to buy in. And you say, hey, I've been here 20 years. Why do I have to covenant? I'm covenant. Well, do you have to tell your kids or your, your spouse or you, you, like you're into them still? Like, or is it every 30 years whether they need it or not? You know, like you, I, I want to I know. I guess I feel like this. I've, I'm willing to lead and others are willing to lead. But only if, only if either, I think it's what God wants and I know that the people who I'm supposed to lead want that too. In other words, I don't want someone like, oh, I really don't want to do this, and I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I'd rather do something else, but I, got, I guess I got to, you know, grit my teeth and follow. I guess I got to do it. That's not doing anybody any fact. Who, want, who of you in leadership wants somebody to follow you like that? Nobody. So, nor do I. So, I would rather look at it and say, I choose moving forward to be in this group following this these people or this person doing this, uh, that's what I want to do. So uh, last scripture. I hope, it's, hope I hit the right one. You know, Paul, people were dissing Paul and like, who are you? I like Apollos better. I like Peter better. I just follow Jesus. I don't need any of you dudes. I, I follow Jesus. And Paul, you know, talked to them. So he's writing this letter. He's just saying, guys, I love you. But uh, I got to straighten you out. So Paul says this, I'm writing not, this not to shame you, but to warn you to my dear children. Even, though you, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. That's an interesting thought. He says, you know, Apollos is there right now, and you got other people who are great teachers, but I'm your father through the gospel. Interesting question for you to think about is, do you have a father in the gospel and along those lines? I'm not about to try to tell you who it is, but it'd be interesting for you to think through who, who is it? Who, who would be in this analogy, Paul? Secondly, should we have this now, or is that just an apostolic right because he was an apostle, or is it, should it be that ca the case in all the churches? Then he says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me, which sounds pretty arrogant, right? Hey, I'm not there. Imitate me. That sounds arrogant, doesn't it? No, people don't want to say, no, it does. And so is that right or wrong? It's in the, in, the, in the New Covenant. Well, something to think about. It says, okay, imitate me. For that reason, I'm sending T Timothy, my son, whom I love, who's faithful in the Lord. I'm sending another guy who imitates me to show you how to imitate me. <laughs> he will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. I just threw that in to have a cliffhanger. Uh, uh, but but I, I just think it's interesting. Leadership and followership in a church is interesting. 
And we follow Jesus, but Paul says, I'm your father, and you only have one. You may have 10,000 guardians, but you only have one father, and you need to imitate me. And by the way, those of you that think you know everything, I'm sending you my deputy who is going to show you how to follow me. So what's the moral of that story? Think about who your father or mother is spiritually. Think about what do you really think about leadership? What do you really think about should, should, I, should you follow a person or, or should you follow Jesus? Answer might be both, might be one or the other. It's just something to think about. And then on Sunday we'll come in and look at you're not the boss of me and have a grand all time and uh, give to El Salvador Mission. So thank you. You're dismissed. Love you. Grace and peace.